Reverend Reynolds, you described to me in an interview a few years ago that you really had to be willing to make sacrifices with your own life to be a part of the civil rights movement. That was one of the questions that Dr. King asked me when he hired me. Are you willing to die? And, and I said yes. Reverend John Reynolds hardly remembers a time in his life when he was not a civil rights activist. He started his lifelong career of activism at the encouragement of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He would later work alongside Reverend Dr. Ralph Abernathy and the late actor, Sidney Portier. Reverend Reynolds says these iconic leaders in the civil rights movement taught him a fundamental principle. Part of being in the social movement, you have to get beyond yourself and forget about your interests and focus on the interests of others. As we approach the national celebration of the birthday of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., I'm wondering how you remember knowing Dr. King and, and your response and reaction to him asking you to join the human rights movement. At that moment, my life changed uh, uh, forever. I grew up about 50 miles south of Montgomery. Uh, where the bus boycott. So I was able to hear Dr. King and Dr. Abernathy over the radio. And so for him personally to ask me to join FCLC, FCLC um, we were just amazing, uh, you know, to me. And I, uh, I've tried to follow his teaching uh, throughout uh, my life and uh, to continue to do his work and keeping his dream alive. What were you seeing in your community of Troy, Alabama as a boy growing up? My grandmother had uh, worked for the owners of the plantation uh, that uh, we lived on. And and it was a cold January day. Uh, I watched my grandmother out washing other people's clothes with ice on her, her fingers. And about the same time, there was two girls in that family as I had two sisters. And I was told to not to hang around with the girls any longer. And that was my first clearly understanding that there was a difference between me and them. And uh, and I think that the, the, the uh, second thing uh, sort of for me was that I couldn't go to the public library to re do research uh, for a uh, school paper. And and I think those two things just sort of stood out to me. And, uh, and the third thing was my grandmother loved barbecue. And 
but she was unable to go into the restaurant and sit and eat. She had to order up on the back of the building through a window uh, that they had uh, made. So it was the, those incidents. And, and one of the things that I said to myself was, I have to do something for my grandmother. And, and so every time I went home thereafter, I made sure the first thing that I would do was to go to this restaurant and, and eat. And that was sort of my way of standing up for her and being her voice, uh, even though she was no longer here. You were about 18 years old when you joined the civil rights movement in a formal way. You were actually approached by someone who knew Dr. King. How did you come to know Septima Clark? A wonderful woman who uh, lived here in Charleston, Septima uh, Clark. Uh, uh, her background was in education and when I went off uh, to be trained how to uh, teach people how to read and write in order to pass the literacy test to register at that point, uh, she uh, basically recommended uh, uh, Dr. Dr. King that he hire me. She wanted him to see me and my and my commitment, and I am forever grateful uh, to Mrs. Clark. Um, she served this community of Charleston over the years, and she's just one of those people that I think more people need to know about. Uh, yeah, she lost her job as a teacher because she was a member of the NACP. But in a, in a way, that was a good thing because America got to experience this woman and, and, the, and the talent and the commitment that she had. I hope that wasn't too long of answer. <laughs> no, it was exactly as it needed to be said. There is a story where you had an opportunity to speak with um, a white man who was a civil rights worker. He was actually speaking uh, to a woman in Troy, Alabama. You saw that interaction and then you went to speak with him. What kind of effect did that conversation with that man have on what you would eventually do with your life? It changed everything. Uh, and you need to, to understand in those days in, in, in 65, you know, if I approached a white man and asked him if he was a civil rights worker and I was wrong, I could have been killed on the spot. So the fact that he said yes and basically accepted me uh, and introduced me uh, to his boss just had a major 
Reverend Reynolds, in 1969, you participated in the Charleston Hospital Workers Movement. What were the problems facing workers at that time, and, and what did you do? People uh, weren't paid very much, uh, especially nurses' assistants uh, and stuff, and there was hardly any black at that time who was registered nurses. That, that would pretty much the next step uh, down. Uh, Mary Moth uh, was the leader of the household workers and its uh, movement. Uh, so the workers decided to go out on strike. And, uh, and so basically, uh, they asked uh, Dr. Abernathy if LCLC uh, would support them. And uh, Dr. Abernathy uh, made the decision to uh, support the workers. And I was assigned uh, to Charleston and uh, South Carolina to uh, help uh, these voters, I mean these workers. Uh, part of my task was to do civil uh, disobedience. You told me about this in an interview a few years ago. You described going into businesses and stores in downtown Charleston and yes. startling women, I mean, with cowbells and things like that, so that they would not want to shop. You were, this actually was an economic boycott, if you will, a, a way to get the attention of business owners that in fact, um, the movement could affect the economic success of the community. It was definitely that, uh, in a lot of the business downtown, was hurt, uh, you know, by our effort. And the governor at the time uh, issued an order from a martial law so that there was no light on activity downtown. You know, so most of the restaurant even they had to be closed stuff because of the governor's order. And uh, so it, it had uh, a major impact, I believe, on the, the businesses. The workers uh, was able to get a higher uh, wage than they had uh, uh, been making. Uh, and they got a chance to move up the ladder, if you will, and be trained. And because uh, the wages that they got, a lot of other state workers, you know, uh, got raises as well. And uh, so those were just uh, some of the impact that we had on the community. Was there ever a time when you felt like giving up? I imagine this was very difficult. You were very young at the time. You hadn't experienced a whole lot of life. So did you ever become frustrated or even scared and want to give up? In a way, yes, uh, but not uh, really. Uh, I think uh, 
I had to get a job, uh, get, get an education. But I never got to the point that I wasn't willing to step out there. I think uh, that's just my makeup, I guess. So, no. I'm glad that answer is no. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't give up. I think a lot of people are glad that you did not give up. Do you believe voting rights are still in jeopardy? I would say yes. People rights to, to vote has been threatened uh, these days. I, you look across the country at all of the laws that have been passed recent, making it difficult for people to register and, and vote. So I think it is a serious uh, thing. And that that's one of the reasons that I think the John Lewis voter uh, law should be passed. There were many influential people celebrities, if you will, who were a part of the civil rights movement. And one that comes to mind is Sidney Poitier. Did you have an opportunity to, to meet him? And, and as we look at his life, at his recent passing, um, yes, what did, did his involvement in the civil rights movement mean to you? He wasn't afraid to sacrifice, if you will. And for him to come down south uh, back then was not easy, I'm sure, uh, for him. But he was willing to do that. And he supported the movement in his own action, but he used his resources as well to support the movement. And that's why, I, I, you know, I was saying that he modeled, I think, for all of us, uh, particularly black men, how to have dignity and grace and how you move. And uh, so I'm just grateful for him. Reverend John Reynolds, we are grateful for the many sacrifices you've made in your life to improve the lives and conditions of many people. So thank you so much for speaking with me. We wish you well, and again, many, many thanks. Same to you, Carolyn, anytime. That's it for this episode of Let's Talk. Let's Talk is produced by Eric Johnson. I'm the host, Carolyn Murray. We welcome your comments and advice on our podcast, so please write a review and share the link with others. Thanks again for listening to Let's Talk. Goodbye until the next time.